Oh, what a wonderful Easter day this is today. Beautiful weather, reminder of God's goodness and His grace. Uh, Lily's here reminding us of the resurrection, and this is Resurrection Sunday. You know, we literally celebrate that every Sunday because we worship on Sunday because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ on that first day of the week. Well, what does Easter mean to you as we gather? You know, we celebrate it uh, every year. It rolls around sometime in the spring. So what does it mean to you? For some, well, it's the opportunity to get some new clothes, a new outfit. Um, for some, it means a spring break, use it as a trip, vacation. Uh, maybe just simply uh, family gatherings. You're looking forward to family gatherings this afternoon. Well, I really like the perspective of some children who were asked about uh, Easter, and this is uh, what they said. When asked what Easter is all about, an eight-year-old girl said, you get eggs and you remember God. Well, that's not too bad. Then a four-year-old said, it's the day that God woke up. Well, that's even getting a little closer, isn't it? And then a seven-year-old, I think, captured it well when she said, it's when Jesus got alive. And that's certainly true, isn't it? And then there's Mackenzie. Mackenzie wasn't trying to cause trouble and wasn't contradicting her teacher. But when the Sunday school teacher talked about uh, the omnipresent God and that Jesus is everywhere, Mackenzie wanted to state her case by saying, I know somewhere where he is not. And the teacher said, where would that be? And Mackenzie said, he is not in the grave. Hallelujah. He is not in the grave, right? Because he is risen just as he said. Open your Bibles with me or look at the screen and follow along as we read the glorious story of that first Easter morning as Mary Magdalene and the other Mary made their way to the tomb. Uh, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. This is how Matthew records that first Easter morning. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Now, there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Well, what a what a beautiful setting and wonderful passage of Scripture for us to see that Jesus was not in the tomb on that early morning Easter so many years ago, Resurrection Sunday. So what does it mean for us today? You know, until they really encountered the living Christ, the empty tomb in itself really wasn't good news for these women nor for the disciples. It just meant that Jesus was not there. So we need to come to a complete understanding of Easter. You see, if we don't, then Easter is just another holiday, another opportunity to buy new clothes, an excuse for eating too much once again, 
or an opportunity to travel, and in that process, we might we might miss the life-changing truths of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we have to come to understand and claim the value of Easter and what the resurrection of Christ literally means for us. Uh, through some uh, uh, Barnard research done recently, uh, we have discovered in America that only about 42% of a group of adults who were surveyed could literally in their mind, in their heart, tie the resurrection to the Easter experience. And then a group that we should be most concerned about in this country, adults between 18 and 25, were the least likely of all ages to connect resurrection and Easter. David Kinnaman of the Barna Group said this, the Easter holiday in particular still has a distinctive religious connection for people. But the specifics of it are really fading in a lot of people's minds. Can you believe that? That the reality, the truth about Easter, and we say it's got something to do with Jesus and something to do about a a tomb and that, but I really don't know what all it means. It would be amazing to know how many people, maybe even within a five or ten mile radius of this church, would not know what the story of Easter is. I then think about what our culture says about Easter. You know, now everything that, that you went to and bought for the weekend probably uh, now to this coming week is going to go on sale, right? If they haven't already done so, Walmart, Walgreens, Target, wherever you shop, they've got their Easter items and especially their Easter candy already discount. 50% later on it's going to go to 60 then 75%. That's the time to buy it, right? But we needed it today, so it's still out there. Here's what you take from that. Our culture discounts the Easter story. And it would be so easy for us to discount it as well and not understand it if we didn't really understand the Easter story and come to understand what it literally means for us. You see, if the early disciples had not understood completely the Easter story, and, and the continuing story about uh, going on a journey of transformation in relationship with the living Lord Jesus Christ. If they hadn't caught that, we wouldn't be here today. And so we really need to understand Easter as that opportunity to join Jesus in a transformational journey of faith. You see, Easter, Resurrection Sunday, is about an event that validates what Jesus said And verifies who Jesus is. So what do we come to understand about Easter on this glorious Easter day once again? Well, it's really just the beginning of a wonderful experience of God's love, grace, mercy, and power. There are two basic truths about the the, the Easter event that I want you to capture today. And then some things that go along with that. First of all, uh, the resurrection uh, affirms the claims made by Jesus. So the resurrection affirms the claims made by Jesus, and those are at least threefold. Number one, Jesus is who he claimed to be. If you read along through the gospel accounts of the life of Jesus, you will know that Jesus made some very audacious claims about who he was. Got him in a lot of trouble, and that ultimately led him to the cross. That was all a part of God's plan. But Jesus made some statements like this, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the gate. I am the resurrection and the life. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the true vine. And then in John's Revelation, chapter 1, he gives us that all-inclusive declaration that the risen Lord Jesus Christ makes when he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the summation of all things. Well, what is Jesus claiming? He is boldly claiming to be God in the flesh and to be the all-inclusive, all-sufficient God. That means for us then his resurrection from the dead validated all his claims of being God. My hope would be for this gathering today of of all of you, and you look so good in your Easter outfits and different colors of spring, but my my hope would be that every one of us would know, uh, would know and believe that Jesus Christ is the central figure of this Easter event. And the reality is, though, even if you don't, if you haven't come to that point of believing yet, Or if you constantly want to reject that, that you say, well, I understand Jesus was a good man. I really did a lot of good things, but I'm not quite sure he's the Messiah. You know, whether you believe that or not, you actually give testimony to it. Every time you write a check and date it, every time you use your debit card and swipe it, it's got a date on there, that transaction. Every time you sign a contract and you date it, every time you write a letter, if you do that and date it, or when you send an email, it's got the date on it. And, and all of that is 2015 now. So what does that mean? 2015 years from what? It means 2015 years in the year of our Lord. He said when Jesus came, he separated all of time into B.C., which is before Christ, and A.D., which does not mean after death, but means uh, in the year of our Lord, Anno Domina, means in the year of our Lord. You see, you give affirmation to that just by simply writing that date, 2015. Uh, great television show coming on starting tonight for 12 weeks on AD. How AD about the continuation, just the beginning. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. And we've got some Bible study groups that will come off of that. You should see some of the information that we have about that all around the church. So here's the second thing about that, that Jesus then has the power he claimed to have. Now, Jesus used his heavenly power to perform some miracles, didn't he? From the changing of the water and the wine to the raising of the dead, and in between all kinds of things, you know, multiplying the fish and loaves, and making the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, all of those things. And it caused people's heads to turn. He caught attention. But he also caught some grief about it, didn't he? He had critics and he had doubters. The critic says he gets his power from Satan. And the doubters said he claims to be able to tear down this temple and build it again in three days. And, of course, he wasn't talking about that. He was talking about rising from the dead. His doubters laughed at him that he claimed to be God and that he would rise from the dead. But I find it so interesting In the gospel accounts that when Jesus died and was placed in that tomb, that those very critics and those doubters went to the Roman government and persuaded them to seal the tomb, to seal that rock entrance, to seal it. You know, there had to be some thought in the back of their mind that maybe he just is the Messiah. Maybe he just does have that power to rise from the dead and they didn't want him to get out. But it didn't matter what they did to that tomb. He was getting out through the power of God. In fact, Jesus made this bold statement in John 10. 
He said, for this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life. And I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. And he said, this commandment I received from my Father. On Easter Sunday, that first Sunday of Resurrection Sunday, the tomb was empty because it proved that Jesus had the power that he had to come back from the dead because he voluntarily laid down his life as a sacrifice for us because of our sins. And so the resurrection validates that Jesus had the power that he claimed to have. And then thirdly, Jesus did what he promised to do. That's something else that the resurrection validates. Many times in the gospel accounts of his life, Jesus told the disciples that the Son of Man will be betrayed, he'll be turned over into the hands of these religious leaders. Uh, there will be a mockery of a trial. He'll be beaten, scourged, and ultimately nailed to a cross and die for the sins of the world. And then three days later will arise. See, the cross was no surprise to Jesus. He knew that he was here to die for our sins as the ultimate sacrifice The sacrifice that once and for all would satisfy the demands of our holy and righteous God. And Jesus knew to do that, it meant he had to die. But he also knew that through the Father, he had the power to come back from the dead. And he promised that to his disciples. And the scripture that we read earlier from Matthew 28, the first things that the angel said to the women who were afraid, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here for he has risen just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying. Just as he said. Jesus promised and he made good on it. He delivered. He is who he said he was. And he has the power that he said he had. And he kept the promise that he made. Now secondly, here's where we take the resurrection, this Easter experience once again. I don't care how old you are, how many Easter experiences you've had, where you can go back in your mind and say, what was the most meaningful Easter service I've ever had? Uh, I I go back to my childhood and I think about uh, a sunrise service on the battery in Charleston, and the sun coming up just looked like a great orange ball coming up out out of the ocean out there. I'm a beautiful, majestic service. You know, I, I, I can point to that as one of the pinnacles of my worship experience, especially on Easter. But here's what we need also to come to understand it. The resurrection is just the beginning. It's an ongoing experience with God, and it changes the meaning of our life. The resurrection changes the meaning of life. And here are three ways that it will touch your life. First of all, it means your past. Your past can be forgiven. Your past can be forgiven. I would think that all of us here today, because of sin, have some things in our life, in the past, that causes us some embarrassment, that causes us some shame, that causes us some grief, and we would love uh, not to have those things in our life. Sometimes we feel some guilt about that, and it's all because of sin. And the Bible teaches us that when we're in that condition without Christ, we're separated from God. But the good news is that God in Christ forgave our sins. I love the way Paul puts it. The Apostle Paul in Colossians 2, 
when he says, He made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us and was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. You know what that means for every one of us? It means that we were all guilty of sin. We had a sin debt against God. We could not pay it. And God sent Jesus Christ and literally was nailed to the cross as payment for our sins. It's canceled. That debt is canceled. I got a receipt here that thankfully um, it's marked paid in full. This is... um, This is just the shopping list from Kroger from yesterday just to feed our family today. It takes a lot to feed our brood when we're all together. I am glad that it's paid in full. I'm even more glad that Cookie paid for it out of her account, not mine. (laughs) But you know, I look at that list and and it's, it's paid in full. If I were to pull out a a sin list of my life, it would far surpass this one. How about yours? Wouldn't your sin list far surpass something like this? Well, it doesn't matter how long it is. It doesn't matter how big it is. Sins don't matter how dark they are, how ugly they are, how nasty they are, how much guilt they give to you. If you believe in Jesus Christ, that sin debt has been canceled. It's paid in full because Jesus nailed it to the cross. That's what we celebrate today. Now, maybe you haven't come to understand that glorious good news. Or maybe you haven't yet had occasion to hear this good news. Uh, Maybe you just haven't reached that point in your life where you're ready to have your past forgiven and to live as a new person in Christ. Well, let me tell you, you can do that very quickly. He's alive. You can have a relationship with him. You can talk with him every day, anytime you want to. You just have to admit that you've sinned. You've got to believe that Jesus is God's Son who died on the cross for your sins. And then you've got to claim Him or confess Him as your Savior. And just simply say, Lord, I know I've sinned against you. You sent Jesus to die for me. I accept Jesus' death as payment for my sin. I praise you for it. I give you my life. And through Jesus, I want to live for your glory. That's a wonderful day today to receive that good news. Because you know what happens? Literally in your life, you're resurrected. Because without Christ, you're dead in your sins. But when you come to know Christ, you are made alive. And it's all because Jesus paid that sin debt. And the receipt says paid in full. Here's the second thing that the resurrection means for us today. And that means your present is in God's control. Well, if you, you, you watch the news, you read the newspaper, whatever, you know, however you get your news source, you know, these times can be scary. There's some scary things that happen out there. Now, that was one thing nice about the, the group over 60-some of us who were on the cruise last week. You know, I had to shut off my cell phone, turned it off, locked it in the safe in the room. And I didn't see it until sometime Friday. It took me a long time to delete about 3,000 emails to catch up on all that. But the good news was I missed all the news. And you know what? The world didn't come to an end. I didn't have to be in charge. You know, it was kind of freeing. We talked about that. Kind of freeing not to have that device all the time to be checking on it. But what it does tell us when we keep up with the news is that these are some dangerous times, frightening times in which we live. There's political unrest in our country. I think our nation is polarized 
by many different means for different reasons and more so than ever before. We face a lot of uncertainties. You know, that, that those in the military, some of you might experience the fact that there is a terrorist threat, that they, have, they, they know your home address and they've hacked your account. You know, we, I've talked to a, a father-in-law of one of our military men today, and he said they had to change all of that because they'd been hacked by, by the terrorist threat. And every time I hear about these senseless shootings, whether it's at a school or a mall or where somebody used to work and they got fired for good reason, and they come back and they open up in senseless killings of lives, you know, we don't know what a day holds for us. I'm not a prophet of doom, but you know the reality of that. Then, my goodness, broaden your horizons and look around the world and see what's happening. It looks like this world could possibly be ready to explode, doesn't it? I don't think we all understand the the concept of these terrorist threats. And what it, uh, what it means in these countries where believers, innocent people are being slaughtered just simply because they dare to believe in Jesus Christ and live for his glory. And the threat of ISIS. Now we need to wake up to these things. But the reality is beyond that is that no matter what is going on in the world and your world, the power of God through the resurrected Jesus Christ is in control. That's why the angel said, do not be afraid. You know, we call fear many names, don't we? We call it worry, tension, anxiety, stress. One study that I read about looked at 500 different people and discovered 7,000 different fears. That's an average of 14 different fears per person. You know, and what is the problem with fear? It's contagious. It's limiting. It's draining. Somebody said it's the dark room where negativity develops. You see, until the resurrection, the truth of it really made sense to the disciples, they were completely afraid, weren't they? Easter evening found them locked in the upper room, scared out of their minds. And one of the greatest proofs of the power of the resurrection is how their lives were changed. How they went from fearful cowards to how they went to brave martyrs. For the cause of Christ. The Disney Channel a few years ago did a study on the top ten phobias that people have. Phobia is a Greek word that talks about fear. But it refers to a panic that's completely out of proportion to the perceived threat behind it. Now that's the definition of it. Well let me tell you this. You come at me with a snake in your hand. That is not a perceived threat. That is a reality. I go for you first and then the snake. Okay? Now, I don't have that. I didn't list that one. I should have. I'm not sure what that is, that fear of a phobia of snakes. But anyway, number 10 on that list was necrophobia. You know what that is? Fear of death. That's right. Some people are so afraid of death that they're scared to death, literally. They're paralyzed. The, the quality of their life is almost non-existent. Then there's brontophobia. You know what that is? It's not fear of brontosauruses because they're extinct. It's the fear of thunderstorms. I have three dogs living at my house. They can tell me one hour in advance before a thunderstorm hits. Some of you nodding your head. You got dogs like that too, don't you? Yeah. Some people react the same way those dogs do. Then claustrophobia. I know what that is. I experienced claustrophobia. You don't like being in tight places. We don't make good patients when they say, you got to have an MRI, Mr. Winman. I said, not until you dope me up. You're not going to put me through that machine. I can't stand being in tight places like that, you know. 
Then the opposite of that is agoraphobia, which is the fear of open places. I can't understand that. Man, I love the wide open spaces. You know what the number one fear is? Arachnophobia. What is that? Boy, you know that. I, I heard a lot of women's voices. You know that at least 50% of all women, that's their number one fear of spiders. I can tell you that's 100% of the women in my family. They're definitely afraid of spiders. And only about uh, a few men, only about one out of 10 men have that fear. Well, let me tell you about two other fears that some of you might have. Okay, don't let this run you off. But uh, like the guy said to uh, his pastor on Easter morning, he said, you know, that was such a great sermon on the resurrection. I don't think I need to hear another one until till Christmas. And that, he probably won't. Some of you maybe have not have been here since Christmas. Maybe you have not been anywhere since Christmas. Okay? Maybe you had these two fears. Ecclesiophobia. You know what that is? That's fear of church. Don't be afraid of church. God's here. He's in control. And the other one is homophobia. You know what that is? That's a fear of sermons. No need to fear the sermons. I preach the love of God. So you don't, you don't have any reason not to show up next week, right? You don't need to be afraid of the church. You don't need to be afraid of sermons. All right. All that puts into our life this. What, what do we do with all the fears that we have today? Well, one of the results of the resurrection is that no longer we have to live in fear. Remember what the angel said to the women, to Mary, Magdalene, and the other Mary. Do not be afraid. And 2015 years that's still, or 2,000 years, that's still the message that's relevant. Here's what it means. The same power that brought Jesus back from the dead is the same power that God will make available in your life because he's in control and because he's God. Well, I was on Twitter earlier this morning, and great tweets were going on there, and, and I was sending out some, and I was retweeting some great ones, and, and some of you had some things out there. But then I, this one caught my attention from Lorenzo Ward, one of the defensive coordinators at Carolina. This is what he said on his tweet. We must remember that not only can Jesus identify with what we are going through, but he has the power to do something about it. That's powerful. You see, God not only knows what you're going through, he has the power to do something about it. That's what the resurrection means for your life. Now, here's the third thing. The resurrection means your future can be secure. And I say that in the threat of death. We already talked about that. Unless the Lord comes and raptures the church soon, every one of us is going to experience death. I'm going to die. You're going to die. You know, it's a universal experience. Now, here's, here's something to think about. Only a fool would fail to prepare for something that they know is a reality. See, you're going to face death. You're going to experience death. I, I'm thoroughly convinced that one of the reasons so many people are afraid of death is because they aren't prepared for death. And they're not prepared for death because they haven't claimed eternal life in Jesus Christ, who is the resurrection and the life. You need to do that. You see, today is the day of resurrection. Not just to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but to claim our own eternal life, our own resurrection beyond the grave. See, his resurrection from the dead means that we will live forever with him if we believe in him and committed our life to him through Jesus Christ, our resurrected Lord. He is the resurrection and the life, and he is going to prepare a place for us. You see, with faith in the resurrected Jesus then our future is secure and we are prepared for an eternal future with Jesus.
So the message of Easter is that, yeah, we might enter the grave at some point in our life, but we don't have to be afraid of death because Jesus Christ has conquered death. He's taken the sting out of death. It still hurts. We grieve when those around us that we love and know die, but God through Christ has taken the sting out of death. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians and says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there in Jesus Christ is the meaning of Easter. Jesus is who He said He is with power and authority. And Jesus changes the meaning of life because He defeated death. And the challenge for us today is to experience the resurrection and allow the power of the living Lord Jesus to change our life. Bow with me as we pray. Father God, we bow before you on this glorious Easter Sunday. We thank you for all the love and grace and mercy that you have extended to us through Jesus Christ. And on this day we celebrate his resurrection and your power that brought him back from the dead. And because of that we know that he is who he said he is as the power that he said he had. He promised and he delivered. And we know from that then that we can place our faith, our trust in him. And we can have security for now and security in eternity. And along the way we have your power at work in our life. Not only to know what's going on with us, but to do something about it and to change our life. And so we feel secure rather than fearful. So, Father, today for those who've never come to trust you and know you through Jesus Christ, I pray that they would come today on this wonderful day of resurrection to place their faith and trust in Jesus and make that decision. For those of us who know you, who are children of the kingdom and of the resurrection, Allow us to live with such power and hope and faith that we'll never be afraid of anything we face. And we'll use that power at work in our life, not only to see things change in our life, but we'll want to see things change in the lives of those around us. And Father, we pray all this to your glory, through the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. Amen.